in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28 is where we'll start. I want you to pay attention to who Jesus is talking with. He's not talking to people who don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is still now reaching for the Jewish people, even though he has uh, interactions with Gentiles through his three and a half years here on the earth, um, his ministry anyway. But right here, he is talking to the Hebrews, the Jews, the, the children of Abraham. And uh, a scribe comes to him, and, and he's heard the reasoning together and uh, he's perceiving the answers that Jesus had gave them and, and so he asked Jesus which is the first commandment of all and Jesus answered him the first of all commandments is hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but He and to love Him with all the heart with all the understanding and with all the soul with all the strength to love His neighbor as Himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Man, knowing who you serve, knowing who he is, and worshiping him with everything you've got is more than any work you'll ever do. More than any, any sacrifice you make. There's a lot of people that try to substitute works for worship. I'm going, to, I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to go to disaster sites. I'm going to do it. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with helping. They're, they're, they're very involved with the second commandment, helping their neighbor and loving their neighbor. But they don't know the first commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And this man, this Jewish man, he said, You said right, Master, for there is but one God. That's why you'll never find people hanging around in Jerusalem today that are worshiping two or three gods or calling on two or three persons or believing that there are three deity persons because they believe there is one God and there is none other but he. But in verse 34, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. No man after that uh, ask him any questions. So we're going to talk about tonight that there is one God. There is one God. Let's just pray, and, uh, and I've got so much scripture. Just You pray that the Lord will help my mind to organize it as we're going tonight. Lord, we love you and thank you, and we know that there is no God beside you. Tonight, let us go through your word, through the scriptures, Lord, improve once again that we serve the true and living God. We're going to praise you for these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you're glad you know who Jesus is, give him a hand clap of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There is one God. So, you know, the, when someone maybe were to ask us what is the first commandment, we, we might not would start with that. A lot of people don't know that. They think maybe there's things greater than that, but if your foundation is off, your house is off. 
your stability's off. You, it's, it's hard to build on something without a foundation. You, it's going to be very shaky. It, it's, uh, it can just be pushed over. It's, it's not very uh, sturdy. The foundation for a house is what's laid first. You don't put the roof up first. You don't put the walls up first. But you do like the man in the scripture who digs deep and finds a rock, finds a foundation to build upon. In Ephesians 2 and 20, it tells us that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. This is Paul writing to the church. What the prophets wrote and spoke in a mystery, the apostles gave witness to and began to preach in Revelation. When Jesus, when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost and he said, uh, this same Jesus that you have crucified is both Lord and Christ, that was a mystery that had been hid from them, but the prophets had already given testimony of it for hundreds of years. But now Peter was preaching a revelation, and that's what pricked their heart. But he said, the church, the saints, that's us, were built on this foundation of what the apostles and prophets wrote and preached. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You're not the chief cornerstone if you're the second person. That's not the chief. The chief can't say all power in heaven and earth is given unto me, or the, only the chief can say that. The second person can't outrank the first one. He can't say that, but Jesus said all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11 says concerning this foundation and that there is no other foundation that can be laid than that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul was writing to the Corinthian church and he said the foundation's already been laid by the apostles and the prophets, by those that had come long ago and, and wrote things that God gave them and things they didn't really even understand. For unto us a child is born, Isaiah would write. A son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He had no idea who he was writing about, but he just knew that there was a time where it said there would be deaf ears unstopped and blinded eyes would be opened and the lame would begin to leap. And at that time, your God would come to save you. But he doesn't realize who he's writing about yet. He has no idea. And so knowing who we serve, and who he is, it's not something that we can just dismiss as optional. I remember Brother Everhart talking years ago. He said this guy he was talking to may have even been a family member that was um, a preacher down in Florida, but I think he was related to them somehow or maybe to Sister Everhart. And, and Brother Everhart was talking to him about this one God, and he said that man finally, he couldn't do anything with the truth that Brother Everhart was giving in him. And he said, well... We don't need to major in minors as if understanding who God is is a minor, <laughs> that it doesn't really matter, that you can just believe what you want to believe and you'll be fine. But Jesus said this, if you believe not that I am he, you will die in your sins. He didn't say, if you believe, just believe not. He said, if you believe not that I am he, if you don't understand who I am. Believing in who he is has a direct link to mine and yours and the world's salvation. Because there is no other Savior but one, so you got to know him. That's why John would loudly proclaim, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's why the angel would tell uh, Joseph and Mary, and you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The woman at the well, when Jesus 
came to talk to her and meet her, the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. They have this discourse about uh, Jews not talking to Samaritans and uh, living water and different things. But in John 4 and 22, and I don't know that I gave you that. Like I said, Sister Bibi, if it, I didn't, don't worry about it. But I hope you're taking notes. If you are, you can write this down. In John 4 and 22, the Lord began to talk with this woman and talk about worship. And he said, you worship, you know not what. But we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. The knowledge of who and what we worship is tied directly to salvation. And now look, he said salvation, everybody wants to be saved. Salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is not of the Gentiles. Salvation is not of Roman Catholics church that came up with a Trinitarian doctrine. He said salvation is of the Jews and it's tied directly to what we worship. And what did they worship? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord and him only shalt thou worship. <laughs> and you're going to love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Everything's that, that one God, that's who you're going to give your love to. But look, let's just look at this for a minute. In John 4 and 22, he says, uh, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. So let's look at salvation like this for just a minute. In Romans 1 and 16, Paul, a Jewish man who has this revelation of Jesus Christ, writes this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the, the power of God unto salvation. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, but to the Jew first and also the Greek. It's for everybody, but it's to the Jew first. And he said, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So there has to be a revelation of who they worship in the gospel because what you worship is tied to your salvation. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed now that I know who he is. Now remember, Paul believed in one God. He was very zealous. He would testify of himself that I was more zealous than a lot of my brethren uh, concerning the traditions of our fathers. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrew. I was brought up at the feet of the greatest teachers uh, of the law. And I, and I believed and persecuted uh, the church. I did it ignorantly because I thought I was doing God, this one God a favor. But when Jesus uh, encountered him on the road to Damascus and put him on the ground, Paul felt that presence and he could only ask one question, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus that you persecute. So Paul said there is a gospel of Christ, and we're going to see where Christ comes in in just a moment, but he said this gospel of salvation, it's to the Jew first. Because we have always, they have always known about Christ. Before we ever read about him being announced in the book of Matthew, they were already uh, knowing about Christ and experiencing things of Christ in the Old Testament. And the book of Hebrews said that Israel all drank from that same rock and that rock was Christ. Said that Moses chose uh, the, the reproaches of Christ than the riches of Egypt. So he was already there. In Hebrews 4 and 2, uh, if you're doing good keeping up with me, sis. Hebrews 4 and 2. He said, the writer said, For unto us, the Hebrew people, was the gospel preached as well as unto them. He said, But the word preached, it didn't profit them, not being mixed with faith, and them that heard it. So the, the saving gospel was being preached even to Israel. They didn't even know then that it was the gospel of Christ. We, so we, we look at the new, what we, the new Testament, we think the gospel of Christ is simply the death, burial, and resurrection. And my phone's on. What about the, the pastor? And it says funeral plan. Mm. <laughs> that ain't good. <laughs> Bless me, Lord. Uh, 
am I at? Through him. Praise the Lord. This saving gospel was preached to the Jewish people. And it was already, they already, uh, without understanding that this gospel of salvation existed before the New Testament. But see, we think the gospel is American. <laughs> but it's not. Because it's to the Jew first and salvation is of the Jew and the message. We're going to be saved by the message that was prepared for God's original people. Because there was always only one Savior, and that was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you and I have no other Savior than, than the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We just now know his name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so uh, in Hebrews 4 and 2, it was preached unto them. But then in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul is talking to Timothy. And he tells him that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had not been written yet. So understand that. Just because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John come before all those letters, they were, they were written after those letters. So it's just in that order so you can read the Gospels about Jesus before you read the letters to the churches. But... So Paul is telling Timothy, he said, since you were a child, Timothy, you have known the scriptures. Well, I can tell you what scriptures he was brought up on in Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Uh, he was brought up in the law, and he said, in those scriptures, the teachings of Moses, the Psalms of David, uh, the writings of Isaiah, and, and all these prophets, they are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In other words, he said, you can look in the Old Testament and believe in Jesus. <laughs> you see what he's telling him? He said, because it already existed, because it was to the Jew first. There is one God. Now, in John chapter 5, and maybe, I, let me see if I mark this. In John chapter 5, in verse 39, Jesus is talking with uh, the Jews and he tells them, search the scripture. What scriptures? Moses, the prophets, the law. Again, there's no gospels written. This gospel's happening right there. There's no letters from Paul yet. There's no other books written yet. There's no Matthew 28 and 19. He says, search the scripture for in them the scriptures you think you have eternal life. And they are they, in other words, and those scriptures are they which testify of me. But he said, and you won't come to me that you might have life. But in verse 45, he says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you won't believe his writings, then how will you believe my words? In other words, he said, you think and you're right that you have eternal life in the scriptures. You can go through the Old Testament and read where the prophets wrote, uh, where the Lord would say, look unto me all ends of the earth and be ye saved for I am God and there is none else. Where he said, I am the Lord, and I, I, I am the Savior, and there is no uh, Savior beside me. There's not one coming after me. There is no other Savior. And so knowing that there is no other Savior, knowing that uh, uh, it's always been God, it didn't change just because of the Gospels. And it didn't change just because God said, one day I'm going to show up. Listen, the Jews in the time that Jesus walked the earth were, were getting a lot of things wrong. Jesus rebuked them many times, many times over things they were doing. But there was one thing that they did not get wrong, and that, that they never had wrong. They just didn't understand who he was, that he was their God. He didn't understand, they didn't understand that he was the Messiah. Uh, but they never, ever believed in anything except one God. They would never believe 
in anything else but that. The belief in, uh, in, uh, in three deities is paganistic. All, all pagan worship has more than one deity that they worship. It's paganistic. And even Paul would say uh, how important it was to know who you worship. When he was uh, at Mars Hill, he said, you people in Athens, y'all, Athens, all, of all places, he said, y'all are so, y'all too superstitious. He said, because I see your devotions and you have an altar here and the inscription says, to the unknown God. He said, him you worship ignorantly, but I am going to declare him to you. Well, he said, I'm going to declare this unknown God to you. Not gods, but God. And he preached unto them Jesus. You got to know who the God is that you serve. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob manifest in the flesh. And we see that throughout Scripture. We have to believe in one. It's amazing to me with salvation being to the Jews, from the Jews, from the God of the Jews, that people can believe that a group of Gentiles could get together and have a meeting and create a doctrine that would pollute the whole world. That they would believe what men wrote hundreds of years later instead of believing what God had already established for eternity. That they could get together and these guys could create this so it would work for them, so they could take over the world and dominate the world, not just with military, but with religion. And so they tried to, to get rid of this teaching of this one God, this baptism, even the, the Catholic Church in their own encyclopedia, they, they detail it in this year. We change the formula of baptism from baptism in the name of Jesus Christ to baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We changed it to fit our doctrine. It was their doctrine. So it's no wonder that Paul would say, uh, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him. If we're, just, if we're complete in Christ, what would the Father and the Holy Ghost, what, what business would they have in our life? What need would we have for them? But he said, people say, Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. But the Bible explicitly says that the fullness of the Godhead, everything that God is, dwells in him bodily. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, in him bodily. And that's all you see, one body, but it's all in there. It's all right there. And so you will get these men, these Jewish men that are writing the gospel. John's gospel is probably the greatest for just helping you to understand um, this one God and the oneness of God, even that and even in his letters. But in the very beginning of his gospel, long after the church has been started and they're baptizing in Jesus' name and declaring Christ, long after that, he comes back to write the account. And in John 1 and 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. In verse 3 it says, All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He, God, was in the world. And the world was made by Him. And the world knew Him not. God came unto His own. And God's own people received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And the word, or God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld 
His, God's glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, so Jesus Christ. In other words, he said, God was made flesh and we beheld him as Jesus Christ. That's, what he, that's basically what, what he just said. I'm, I'm filling in the blanks there, but that's what he's saying. And you'll find that out as you continue to read. So this one God is tied directly to our new birth, our salvation. And, and I'm going to go back and just look at uh, verses uh, 12 and 14. He said, but as many as received him, received who? Received God. Well, how could you receive God? He's invisible. He's a spirit. How could we receive him? The Holy Ghost is not given yet. How could you receive him? Because he was made flesh and dwelt among them. But he said, when you received him, you also received power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, in John chapter 5, and I, I, I got a, uh, I'm, I'm doing good on time, so I'm going to just take my time here and get to this. In John chapter 5, like I said, just reading this today, so many things kept jumping out, but they were relevant to what we were reading. In John chapter 5, in verse 43, listen to what Jesus said I am come in my Father's name. The name of Jesus means Jehovah Savior. When you see uh, in the Old Testament those prophecies uh, where it was talking about John the Baptist, he said, this is the voice of one crying uh, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. The word Lord there, uh, when you translate it, translates to Jehovah. He said, uh, but he's, he's crying, he's in the wilderness, he makes straight his paths. So who was John the Baptist preaching about when you read the stories of John the Baptist who is he waiting on who does he finally point out he points out Jesus but the Old Testament tells us specifically that he's preparing the way of Jehovah this one God and when he sees Jesus behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world there's one coming after me because he's preferred before me because he was before me but John was born naturally before Jesus. But he said he already was before me. Why? Because God's the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He's eternal. And he was talking about, I'm preparing the way of the Lord. This is Jesus, Jehovah, Savior. This is my God, the Lamb of God. It takes away the sin of the world. And so when... Uh, Jesus says, I'm come in my Father's name and you receive me not. If another would come in his own name, you would receive him. But how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? How can you, know, how can you believe and receive honor one of another? You're not seeking the honor that comes from God only. He came from God. He was God manifest in the flesh. So many as received him, received God. To them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So let's, let's look at that. In Matthew 1 and 23, it says, Behold, this is a prophecy, but, but the angel is talking with, uh, with Joseph and Mary about things that were coming. And the prophecy concerning Mary that was written many years ago, hundreds of years ago before this, said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she will bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. But when he was born, Joseph knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He said, when you have this son, he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. But they called him Jesus. Jesus is the name of Emmanuel, or he is the name, it is the name of God with us. Jesus Christ is the name of the true and living God. That's why we call on that name. That's why we pray in that name. That's why we baptize in that name. Everything we do in word or deed, we do it all in the name of Jesus. 
We do it all in the name of Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians 4, verse 5 and 6. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Now, we know that Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So when verse 5 is not talking about someone different than verse 6. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and he's the Father of all. Well, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. He was so amazed at Philip because Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will be satisfied. And he said, Philip, have I been with you all this time and you not known me? How can you say to me, show us the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's nowhere else to look. So there's one Lord. Who's the Lord? Well, why do you believe that? Because the scripture says it, doesn't it? Here, here, here's what I, I, I like about this. The prophecy of Isaiah 96 is the prophecy of Jesus. We see it every year on everybody's Christmas card. Every year at Christmas, we get cards with Isaiah 96, pillows with Isaiah 96, hand towels with Isaiah 96. It's everywhere. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. There's one Lord, his name is Jesus. So we could, we could say Jesus, one faith and one baptism. Jesus, he's above all, through all, and in you all. One God and Father of all who is above all. Now, if he's above all, if that means, he's not just means like he's in a place above everybody, in a physical location above everybody because he's everywhere, but he's above all because he's God Almighty. Right. And there's no, no, no God beside him. There's not one coming after him. He doesn't give way to his position. He, they, that's why he is the first commandment. <laughs> but let's see what Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says. God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Just hold on right there. It would make me make sense to me that if this one God and Father who is above all, if he's above all, then his name would be above all. So this one God and Father who is above all, through all and in you all, God has highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name. We have a name for God. Next that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. Come on. And, uh, maybe go one more. If, if you can pull that up. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's not talking about two separate people. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Isaiah wrote, God said in Isaiah, I will not give my glory to another. I'm not going to give my glory to another, but we beheld God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what John wrote in John chapter 1, that we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father. And so in Romans 8, 15 and 16, because uh, now we see that if we believe on his name, he said, I'm going to give power to people to become the sons of God even them that believe on his name. So we've seen what the name is, but how does that give me the spirit? How does that make me the son or daughter of God? So in Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote this in verse 15 and 16, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So believing in him, receiving him, receiving God for who he is and knowing who he is, 
that gives you power to become a son of God because you have to believe on his name. What is a name? It's an identifier. If, if you know, sometimes uh, if somebody's, if you're walking down the street and you just hear somebody going, hey, you, hey, you, hey, you, you might just keep walking. But if they say, hey, Ed, well, I'm going to turn around because they just identified me in the midst of everybody else. And he said, when you can believe on my name, you are believing in me. You're receiving me and you're receiving who I am. And that is where we become, uh, gives us power also to receive the spirit of God. You're not going to be filled with the Holy Ghost if you don't believe in God. You don't get the Holy Ghost without believing. John 7, 37 through 39. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. So they got to believe on him. That means they're going to believe in his name, because he said, I came in my Father's name. For the Holy Ghost not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus is letting you know that it's going to take belief in me to receive the Spirit of God. And if we receive the Spirit of God, we become the children of God because the Spirit bears witness that we have now been adopted into the body and we are the children of God. You see, believing in who He is is tied directly to who we serve. So believe on Him. We receive the Spirit uh, we believe in the name of the Word or God made flesh, Jesus Christ. In John 14 and 26, Jesus said that the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, would come in His name. Right. Comes in His name. Back in, uh, let's see, let me turn to that in John. I'm watching the clock. John chapter 14. In John chapter 14. 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And it's something that we know there's only one Holy Ghost, but it's got, it's called the Comforter. It's called the Spirit of Truth. Uh, you know, it's called the Spirit of Christ. And, but, oh, but they have one Holy Ghost. Well, then, then why, why do we get so mixed up on the other things? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, he said. The name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. But when you back up to verse 16, um, Jesus is, and he said, I'm going to pray the Father and he'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, so now he's talking comforter, spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. Now listen to what he says right here. But you know him. Now it's not, he's not given yet, he's not there yet. They've never received the Holy Ghost. Nobody's ever received it, spoken in tongues. It hadn't happened yet. It has not been poured out yet. This is that has not happened. But he said, you know him. How do we know him, Lord? Because he dwells with you and shall be in you. He said, the Holy Ghost is dwelling with you right now, and he shall be in you. That's why Paul, when he was testifying about Jesus, said, for in him you live, move, and have your being because he's, he's, it's him in you. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. You know how you know him? Because he's right here talking to you. He dwells with you. He's been with you for all this time. He called you and, 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 and is making fishers of men out of you. And, and he dwells with you, but he shall be in you. That's why Jesus said, if I don't go away, the comforter cannot come. I've got to go away so I can come back and dwell inside of you. He said, uh, the comforter uh, has got to come. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. Jesus said that of himself. I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Not, not so, oh, I thought the Holy Ghost was a comforter. He is. But the Bible also says that God is the God of all comfort. Yes. There's one God. There's one God. There's only one. And so, so we, we know that. So um, uh, in Romans 1 and 16, again, 
uh, we know that Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ was the power of God and the salvation. It's salvation with a name attached. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Well, we know that it's got to have a name attached to it if it's salvation because neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus, Acts 4 and 12. Now in Mark 16 and 15, see if I can get there. Mark 16 and 15. Jesus said unto them, go in all the world, preach the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation, the gospel of Christ, the gospel with a name attached to it, the gospel of Christ to every creature. He that believeth, got to believe, believe what? Believe the gospel. The gospel of what? The gospel of Christ. When you believe and you're baptized, you shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They'll cast out devils, and in my name they'll speak with new tongues because the Holy Ghost comes in his name. And so it's got to be in his name. Salvation is in his name. The gospel is the gospel of Christ. We've got to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and then obey it through repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, and then being filled with the Holy Ghost. In Luke 24, 46 and 47, And Jesus said, thus it is written, thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Christ died and rose again. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in whose name? In Christ's name, in Jesus' name. That's what he said. You've got to preach these things in my name because people have to believe in me. You can't just be preaching anything. You got to preach about me. You got to preach about who I am and, and what I did and, and uh, the sacrifice that came just from me. And that's why you will find in Acts uh, chapter 2, verse 36. Now listen again, who Peter is preaching to. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God, not God's, but God, has made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, if he is Lord, then he is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And if he is Christ, then he is God manifest in the flesh because 2 Corinthians 5 and 19 says to wit that God was in Christ was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not to them they're not two different people they're not two different deities but God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself because he said, I'm not going to give my glory to another. I am the only Savior. Nobody can save but me. Even the Jews knew, who can forgive sin but God alone? Jesus would say, your sins will be forgiven. They'd be all crazy. What? Can't nobody forgive sin but God? And Jesus is like, right. Sure, okay. What's your argument? What's your point? I'm trying to tell you because I am who I said I was from the beginning. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm, I'm telling you who I am, uh, but you're not hearing me. He said, if you don't believe what I'm saying, then let the works testify of me because nobody can do these things if you weren't God. And so he said, this same Jesus that you have crucified, he's both Lord and Christ. Now that's why Israel is hurt. That's why these Jewish men are pricked in their heart because they know that there's only one God. They believe in the Messiah and they realize we have missed him. We didn't recognize him. We didn't know it was him and now we've killed him and they said, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost 
for the promise is unto you and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received, this goes all the way back to what John wrote. And he said, But as many as received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. And they that received his words, they were baptized. They didn't mess around with it. When they believed the gospel, they were baptized. All these people that try to say, you ain't got to be baptized. <sighs> Too much scripture to argue that. Then they that gladly received his word, they were baptized in the same day. They were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. It's got to be about him. So in Acts chapter 2, the name of Christ is preached. Uh, repentance and remission of sins is preached in his name, just like Jesus said. And here's the thing, is that people say, well, I would rather do what Jesus said than what Peter said. You know, Jesus said in Matthew, be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Do you know that they had, the church had already been baptizing people in the name of Jesus long before Matthew ever sat down and wrote his gospel? And Matthew wasn't writing anything to be contradictory. He was just writing the mystery. Look, there's only one baptism. And so if we see two formulas, then they've got to reconcile because Scripture does not cancel out Scripture. It brings light and revelation to it. And so what Matthew was writing, wrote there, and that was, uh, it was right, it was true. Be baptized in the name of the Father. And he was trying to tell people what everybody, what Peter was telling that day, that it's all in him, that it's all in him, that the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost is Jesus Christ of Nazareth that died for our sins on that tree and rose from the dead three days later. He is that God. He is that God. I mean, I've got some other things here, but I know I'm not going to, I just don't have time to do it. I just don't have to, let's see, but I, if I can have five minutes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at this. And uh, Bibbs, you'll have to maybe keep up with me a little bit right here. I'm going to. 1 Timothy 3.16. And without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So let's go back and, and break this down and answer some questions. When was God manifest in the flesh? Well, you could look in Matthew 1, 23 and 25, which we've already read that a, a, a virgin would bring forth a son and he would be called Emmanuel, interpreted God with us. And when he was born, and they called his name Jesus. Or you could even look to the book of Luke where it said that, uh, you know, because people say, well, who, who is the father of Jesus? Well, God is, okay. The Bible says the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary and she conceived. But you can look at John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So in other words, God was made flesh and dwelt among us. So uh, when was God justified in the Spirit? In Matthew 3 and 16, when uh, Jesus, Jehovah's Savior, God manifest in the flesh, was baptized in the river Jordan, when he came up, it says that the Spirit uh, descended upon him like a dove. And John said, that was the sign that was given to me that the one that I see the Spirit abiding on, uh, that's him. That's him. That's the one I'm preaching about. That's him. And uh, when was God seen of angels? Luke chapter 1, angels announced his birth. In Matthew 4 and 11, when Jesus comes out of the wilderness of temptation, in verse 11 it says, The devil left, and angels came and ministered unto him. 
Uh, when did he preach to the Gentiles? Just go on down to Matthew 4 and 17. It says from that point on, uh, Jesus was in the land of the Gentiles because the prophecy was being fulfilled that they would see a great light and he began to preach that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. Uh, when, was, uh, when, was he believed, when was God believed on in the world? Well, in John, you many instances through the scripture, actually in the gospels you'll read it, that um, in John 4, the woman at the well said, come see a man that told me all that I ever did. Surely this is the Christ. She believed on him in John 6 and 69 when uh, uh, the disciples were asked, hey, are you going to leave me too? And, and Peter said, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. and We believe and assure in who you are, that you are the Son of God. So they believed in him. We believe that you are the Christ. And then when was God received up into glory? Acts 1 and 9. After Jesus had told them, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Samaria and all the other most parts of the world. When he spoke those things while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. When, so when did God do all those things in, from 1 Timothy 3.16? That's where. All those scriptures I just gave you, that's where you see where, when God walked this earth. The one true God walked this earth. I know it's already four minutes after eight. I know I've got to stop. And I, I just, I told you I've got stuff, man. I'm going to have to break it down into another lesson uh, sometime and, and, and teach on, on some other parts of it because, you know, even, even talking about who, uh, who, who raised Jesus from the dead, who, who raised him up. Because there's, there's uh, I, I can't, I, I don't have time. I, I don't, but, uh, but. Uh, there's, there's several scriptures that say that God raised him. That the Spirit raised him. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down and I take it up again. So uh, were they fighting over who was going to get Jesus about the ground? Uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. I'll break it down into to some smaller lessons and, and we'll, we'll cover some of that stuff. But what I need you to see and what I, I want you to understand is that what that man that was speaking with Jesus that day, what he knew. He didn't have the revelation. He didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah yet. He did not know that. But he did know that there is one God and there is no God beside him. You have said that. That's what you just said, Jesus, is true. There is only one God. And there's not another one beside him. And it's still true today. There is only one God and there's not another one beside him. When John... Uh, was in the spirit in the book of Revelation he said and there was a throne in heaven and one sat on the throne well who sits on the throne the king does and who's the king of kings thank you you see you don't have now listen you don't have to go fighting people that believe in the trinity <laughs> you don't have to fight them but you'll never hear me preach the Trinity because I can't preach what's it if it's not in the book. I only preach what's in the book, in the Trin and it's not in there. And I'm not just talking about the Word is not in there. The Trinity is not in there. It's not in there. The doctrine of the Trinity is not in your Bible. But it is in a bunch of papers that a bunch of guys got together and put together and wrote so they could enslave the world. That's a fact, Jack. You got to know it. So there's one God, and that's who we serve. And Jesus, I don't want to be like that Samaritan woman. He told her, he said, you don't know who you worship, but we do. Well, we know what we worship because now salvation is to all of us. But it was to the Jew first. So that's it. Let's stand together tonight and just lift our hands, and we're going to pray, and we'll be dismissed with this prayer.